Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of your dinner table podcast. This is your host, Joseph Sheehan, or Joe Sheehan, and uh, today is June 7th, 2019, and what I thought we would do today is we are going to go and we're going to take a look at uh, the stories of the day, just kind of peruse, and uh, we're going to give a shout out to the Drudge Report. Uh, The Drudge Report is your one-stop place for all things newsworthy. And uh, trust me, if you don't believe that conservatives in the news, uh, especially in talk radio or in um, other aspects of the news, uh, don't use the Drudge Report to help guide their show programming, you have another thing coming. Trust me, um, I, I'm a big drug report peruser. Um, it helps me kind of know what's going on in the world. And uh, whenever I listen to talk radio, um, it's almost like they have the drudge report pulled up in front of them. Um, the stories that they decide to talk about all come from the drudge report. Um, and so uh, whether they admit it or not, um, either either Drudge is so good at, uh, you know, uh, picking stories that are important to today's world or um, it's pure coincidence. Either way, the Drudge Report is a good place to start your day, um, especially if you don't know what newspapers you want to read or what stories or if you're just absolutely sick and tired of the regressive media and um, their their whole worldview, uh, the Drudge Report's a good place to check it out. And and not every media outlet that's on the Drudge Report is conservative. Uh, it's just Drudge goes through, he looks, he finds stories that he believes are important, and they populate the site with that. And so we are um, going to start looking at some of these stories. Uh, the top story on the Drudge Report today is Biden's abortion turn, okay? Joe Biden's out there. Uh, oh, crafty Joe. Uh, it's a fun story. I got to meet Joe Biden one time. I was giving a tour of the Capitol building as a Capitol Hill staffer uh, to a uh, U.S. Air Force colonel. Um, and he, Joe Biden comes out of uh, the Senate Majority Leader's office and um, on his way to the, uh, the chamber, and he sees us, he stops, he shakes people, he shakes, he shook our hands. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, Joe Biden is a nice guy. There's a reason why they call him Smiling Joe. Um, he really is a genuinely nice guy, okay? Now, having been involved in politics since 2004, I've gotten to see Joe uh, on talk shows, um, on and, and I mean, the guy is a partisan hack, all right? Uh, he will say and do anything that runs along line with the Democratic Party, whether it is consistent in his worldview or not. Joe is about Joe. Joe is about getting elected. But that doesn't mean that he's not a, a good human being, all right? And trust me, he likes to touch. He's a touchy guy. Um, he shakes your hand, puts his hand on your shoulder, uh, leaves it there for a very awkward, Awkwardly long time. Uh, yep, very awkward. I mean, you're like, hey, Joe, you know, uh, I know I'm another Joe, but come on, bro. Uh, you can take that hand back. 
Yeah, uh, not need my shoulder massage right now, Joe. Nope, mm -mm. nope, 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 nope. You can take that back. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, men, we have we have a zone. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. All right. Three feet. Three feet, Joe. Three feet. And so that's what Joe... But Joe is, you know, he's going to do whatever he's got to do to get elected. And uh, Steve Deese on his show talked about this yesterday. Um, talked about how that Joe is doing this so that he can court um, middle America. Uh, I agree with Steve Deese's uh, interpretation that... Um, this election is going to be won in the suburbs, especially with uh, suburban white women. Uh, I think this is where that election is going to take place. Um, right now, uh, you know, for the first time in a long time, a Republican is polling very, very well with suburban white women. Uh, Trump is polling very well with uh, suburban white women. And so I think that's why he, he's now throwing his full-throated support behind the Hyde Amendment. You know, the Hyde Amendment does not allow uh, federal tax dollars to support abortion. And yet, that's kind of a half measure. Uh, again, going back to Steve Deese. Uh, Steve Deese brought up a very good point. And, and I like to give credit where credit is due because unlike Joe, I'm not a plagiarizer. Yeah, yeah. So um, what I like to give credit where credit is due. And so Steve Deese uh, came up with this. Uh, amazing point uh, during his show yesterday in which he said, and I'm sure he said this more than once, I just caught it yesterday, um, that the Hyde Amendment is an empty promise. Um, the Hyde Amendment, yes, guarantees that no tax dollars will go to support abortions, and yet we spend almost a billion dollars a year in, in uh, government funding for Planned Parenthood. And, you know, Planned Parenthood, they claim they do a lot of other health services. And yes, do I have friends who have gone to Planned Parenthood and have their stories of how Planned Parenthood saved them and, and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Do I find it a bit dubious? Yes, I do. Um, I'm like, great, because other people have gone to Planned Parenthoods and asked for the same thing that you've asked for, and Planned Parenthood has told them they don't do that. All right? Like, I've, I've had uh, friends come to me and, you know, and say, well, Joe, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Planned Parenthood saved my life. If they, if I had not had my past near Planned Parenthood, then uh, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have caught my ovarian cancer in time. Okay, first off, I've seen actual video of people walking in wanting to have Pap smear, people want, walking in wanting to have mammograms, which was a big claim during the Obama administration. Okay, that. You know, people were getting their lives saved by having mammograms at Planned Parenthood. And yet these videos demonstrated, and these were not edited videos, okay? This was the raw, unedited video that I would watch. And it, they went into several Planned Parenthoods throughout the country. Not just one parent parenthood, and then there you go. These were several Planned Parenthoods. None of them offered pap smears. None of them offered uh, mammograms. Now, if you wanted uh, birth control... They would offer that, and, and I do have a friend who, you know, that's where she gets her birth control, and that's fine. You know, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big anti-birth control person. My family, we use it. Uh, my wife has had her fallopian tubes removed because we're done having kids. So I think, um, you know, I think birth control is very much um, a wise decision if you know you don't want to have any more children. Um, I know that some of my more Catholic friends would probably say, no, you need to leave that up to God. It's got, you know, 
if you keep having kids, God is going to provide for those kids. And I see that in my, in my friends. But I also know that I want to be more than just, you know, a dad. I, I, you know, I want to be more to my, to my children than just, you know, um, a wink and a poke, you know, or a wink and a tickle. I, I, I really don't want, I, I want to have real relationships with my children. And I know myself that I probably wouldn't be able to give as much as I could to my children if I, um, and my wife is, feels the same way. And it was ultimately my wife's decision. My wife made this decision herself to have her fallopian tubes removed um, because she, you know, she doesn't want to be pregnant anymore. And, and here's the thing too, as a husband who loves my wife very, very much, I saw what our la- the last pregnancy did to my wife. It was very, very hard on her. Um, she was in her 30s um, at that time. Um, she wasn't young. She wasn't spry anymore. Um, you know, and it was a very hard pregnancy on her. Now, it doesn't mean we had a difficult pregnancy. We didn't. But that pregnancy was very tough on her. Um, her body was not as you know, prepared for the trauma of a pregnancy. Um, and yes, I'm willing to admit pregnancy is a trauma. But to say that, that Planned Parenthood offers all of these, you know, offers health care to women is, um, is it, it's tantamount to a lie, okay? Because, you know, 90% of their business is abortion. And so if we're going to support the Hyde Amendment not using taxpayer dollars, uh, to pay for abortions, then we can't use federal funding to support Planned Parenthood. We can't. Um, and again, like all um, Republicans, you know, especially this last group of Republicans who said that they were going to defund Planned Parenthood, that's why we needed to vote for them, and yet they didn't. You know, they don't. They don't represent us anymore. They represent themselves. And to say that they represent the special interests is also uh, false. Because if they represented their, their special interests, then Republicans would be voting to ban Planned Parenthood. It would, be, it would have been passed in the last Congress, overwhelmingly. Um, it would have been on the president's desk. The president would have signed it. Um, because that's their special interests. Okay. Um, instead they passed it in the house and never got out of the Senate, you know? Um, so there are things that we need to look at, um, as conservatives. I, I don't call myself a Republican anymore. I, I still vote Republican because it is the only viable conservative option. And until the Libertarian party, um, runs a true conservative, um, and not just a libertine conservative, um, I'm, you know, and and actually runs a viable candidate that can actually win an election, uh, I'm going to support the GOP. And and I haven't given up on the Republican Party yet. Now, I I no longer fully identify myself as Republican because I'm ashamed of the Republican Party. Um, I'm ashamed of the fact that we can't get behind true conservatives. Uh, My representative here in Fort Worth, Texas, is not a true conservative. She pretends to be a conservative so that she can get elected, but she's not a conservative. Uh, in fact, um, prior to the 2010 election, she had a 47% um, rating by the American Conservatives Union. 
Um, she 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 sub, she had the highest numbers of earmarks of any Republican. And 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 I'll be honest with you, her district doesn't need those earmarks. Her district doesn't need all the things that she was putting in for. She was doing that in order to gain power in Congress. Now she is listed as the most or the most powerful female Republican in Congress. All right, and that's why she is protected by the Republicans. Um, but when I worked in uh, lobbying, when I okay, I was a lobbyist for a little bit, working for the one campaign. And one of the biggest jokes that was always told in the office, because Kay Granger was their big get, but Kay Granger was the person that they wanted to go after. Then that's my representative, by the way. Is they wanted Kay Granger because she was the chairman of the Appropriations Committee, and she was also the chairman of the subcommittee on on uh, foreign aid. Okay, so that that was their big get because what was the one campaign's biggest issue? The one campaign's biggest issue was foreign aid. All right, help you know our soft power as as international uh, relations wonks would talk about our soft power versus our hard power, which is our military. Um, and so she was in charge of that. Well, the biggest joke in the whole um, political um, organization, you know, the, the lobbying section, okay, the, the political director's office, the biggest joke was if you wanted Kay Granger to vote for you, you just needed to introduce her to a celebrity. If you could get a celebrity to take a picture with her and sign an autograph and all that kind of stuff, then she would vote whatever you wanted her to vote. That's very telling when you're a conservative who lives in her district, who ran a campaign challenger against her in 2010. All right. It's very telling when that, when that let I mean, it's okay. So in other words, she can be bought. She can't be bought with actual money, but she can be bought with, you know, if Bono goes in there and talks to her, she can be, that's how she can be bought. And so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the Republican party is how do we, you know, this is, this is also a woman who has enriched herself um, while being in office. This is one of those people that, you know, we talk about with Trump, you know, I'm not concerned about a billionaire who was a billionaire before he became president and is donating his salary every month. I don't really care about his tax returns. I don't need to know about his, his tax returns. But I want to see the tax returns of the people who became millionaires after they became congresspeople. <clears throat> and I don't care what party. I don't care if it takes down Republicans and if it takes down Democrats. Matter of fact, I hope it takes down some Democrats. And I hope it takes down some Republicans. All right, and Particularly the Republican that represents my district. Because I know for a fact she has enriched herself and her son... Um, by getting federal money for a construction project here in Fort Worth that honestly, I mean, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make some, a real pretty park, all right, in downtown Fort Worth, but it's also pushed a lot of poor businesses um, out and um, it's just a really bad situation. So, go, but I digress and I, and I apologize. Um, going back to Biden and abortion turn, Biden is using his calculus. He's seeing his polls. He's seeing that he is dropping in his polls. All right. He sees the writing on the wall. 
he knows that um, a more moderate Democrat is probably going to win this election because there's no way that the moderate Democrats in the party, uh, the independents, are going to vote for a radical socialist. There's no way. That's why Bernie is working really, really hard to you know, kind of tone down this image of a radical socialist. And, and, and that's why he has his little video out there that talks about what really is democratic socialism. Right. Okay. First of all, understand. Let's let's talk about democratic socialism for a second. Democratic socialism is just another name for socialism. They're trying to make it sound really, really great. Like it's democratic. It's it's for the people. Understand that in comparative politics, when we look at governments across the world, anytime that it has the word democratic in its name, it's probably an authoritarian, uh, authoritarian, uh, tyrannical regime. The Democratic Republic of Congo, the Democratic Republic of North Korea, the the People's Republic of China, all right? Uh, Very democratic sounding name, the People's Republic, and yet incredibly autocratic, incredibly tyrannical, incredibly oppressive. Uh, So just understand, anytime there's a, the Democratic Republic of, or the Democratic whatever, um, just know it's anything but democratic, okay? And, And that's the thing. The greatest form of democracy is the free market. I'm going to say that again. The greatest form of democracy is the free market. If you don't support the free market and don't understand that the free market is what has propelled people out of poverty in greater and in quicker and greater ways uh, throughout the world, then you don't understand democracy. And they stand in the and, and, and also too, one of the things you have to understand is people who typically stand um, up and talk about democracy and rail about democracy are usually people supporting programs that ha- are anything but democratic. Okay, they hide behind the flag of democracy. It's uh, in the Christian world we call it they they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay, and you have to be careful about those people. Now, people out there talking about liberty, people out there talking about freedom, people out there talking about choice and those types of things, you can look at that and go, all right, that's probably someone who agrees with democratic principles. Okay? And so, so again, Joe is trying to, to separate himself uh, from the pack, trying to make himself look like he's the more... Um, moderate, the more, um, you know, the less threatening candidate, hoping to pull some of the people away who look at the rest of the field and go, this is kind of scary. Um, and, and, and it is, but understand, um, I honestly believe unless a Julian Castro sees a resurgence, unless, uh, another, you know, person who's got some gravitas, uh, comes into the democratic race if 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 what we are if what we have now uh, in the Democratic Party is what constitutes for what they're going to run okay if nobody else runs if nobody else joins the race um, I think I think Joe is probably going to be the candidate um, I just because he's going to ride the 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 fondness and the memory of Obama. Um, he's going to, um, now do I think it's probably going to come down into between Joe and 
Bernie again in the Democratic primary. Um, you know, Buttigieg or Buttigieg or whatever his name is, um, he's kind of floundering. Um, he, I don't think he's going to really help himself. Uh, now his brother's coming out, kind of refuting his story, saying that's not really what happened. Um, he didn't really have this horrible upbringing. Uh, the statistics out of South Bend are terrible. Um, so again, I think people are smarter than what we give them credit to. Um, I really still think that the dark horse is, um, um, oh, I can't think of his name now, but the, 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 uh, CEO of Starbucks, I still think he is uh, a dark horse out there. Um, I think that, you know, I think you're going to see um, it's really going to be uh, Biden. You know, right now it's really too early. Let's watch the first debate, see what happens uh, between the Democrats in the first debate and see who comes out with the most momentum. Um, I think that's going to help you. So, again, uh, Joe is going to do whatever he can to get people to uh, vote for him. All right, um, so what else are we looking at uh, today on uh, the Drudge Report? Um, again, people are up in, or they're in an uproar over YouTube. Um, now they're putting their, their focus on, um, they're putting their focus on uh, Facebook, um, you know, trying to, um, the people are really upset. They're really scared of what happened to Steven Crowder. Um, you know, the funny thing that happened yesterday is, uh, after Vox, you know, after their people, um, worked really, really hard to get Steven Crowder, um, kicked off of YouTube, they went on strike. <laughs> Socialists. I love them. All right. Um, so looking at this, a report coming out, um, millennials are, incapable of being able to repair their own homes that's kind of an interesting um they're woefully inept is is uh what's going on here um they are woefully inept in regards to being able to do what they need to do to take care of themselves uh to take care of they're um, to rebuild homes. They have no skills when it comes to that. All right, so that, that brings me to a great point. This is one of the reasons why we need to bring back um, shop class in high school. And I know that makes me sound like an old curmudgeon. Oh, in my day, we had shop class. Well, you know what? We had shop class in my day too, okay? Uh, my high school had a shop class. I didn't take it, all right? I didn't need to take it. I had a daily shop class with my grandfather, okay? My grandfather was in, again, you know, like I said yesterday, my grandfather was in construction, okay? My grandfather wanted me to know how to do that stuff, all right? My grandfather took me on builds. My grandfather took me to construction uh, sites. In fact, I helped him rebuild a home when, from the time I was 14 to the time I was 16, okay? Um, so he took me with him. He taught me how to do it. He taught me how to... Uh, throw sheetrock. He taught me how to stud in a wall. He taught me how to, you know, make, you know, do all of those things. So I, I know how to use a drill. I know how to use a hammer. I know how to use a circular saw. I know how to use a miter saw. I know how to use all of those things. Okay. I know how to use a sander. I know how to use a bandsaw. 
okay, I know my way around a wood shop. I really do. I know my way around a wood shop. I know my way around, um, you know, a construction site. Um, so I'm, I'm capable of doing that. But I'm kind of on the cusp. I, I, I'm born late enough to be considered Gen X. And yet I'm also born early enough to be considered millennial. Okay. Um, I, I identify myself more as a Gen Xer because of uh, the work ethic that I have, because of um, the world that I grew up in. Um, you, know, I, you know, for me, the world is the 1980s, you know, the iconic world for me is the late eight, 1980s, early 1990s. You know, that's the time period I look back on very, very fondly. Um, I look back on the 80s very fondly. I look back on uh, the early 90s very fondly. Um, you know, so for me, you know, that's, to me, that's what it means to be a Gen Xer. I'm a Gen Xer. That's who I identify with. All right. Even though I'm kind of on the cusp. Um, so I know how to do all this crap. All right. Um, millennials, unfortunately, um, and I don't think it's to any fault of their own. Because again, I think Gen Xers, grew up with boomers who didn't learn how to do this stuff, okay? Uh, my dad, for, for instance, my dad doesn't know how to sheetrock a wall. My dad doesn't know how to use a miter saw, okay? My dad doesn't know how to fix a car. My dad is a boomer, okay? My dad doesn't know how to do any of those things. And the reason why is because his father was an intellectual, Okay, his father wasn't a hard worker in the sense that he had hard labor job. All right, he was an accountant for Sears. All right, that's what he did. He worked in a little room where he crunched numbers all day. And then he would go to the library every day, check out seven books, read all seven books all week, and he would go to, and then take back and get another seven books. You know, he read he read one book a day. Okay. So that's what I'm saying is, you know, that was my dad's, that was my dad and what he grew up with. My grandfather on their hand grew up in Texas. Okay. My grandfather grew up in rural Texas. Uh, the hometown that he was from at, you know, had a population of just over 900 people, which was considered a big little town in Texas at that time. Okay. And so he, you know, that's what he grew up in. He grew up on a farm. Um, he had to raise cattle. He had to learn how to do all those things. Plus, in the army, the army was what, who taught him how to be a carpenter. You know, it was the army that taught him that. You know, he didn't, he didn't really learn a lot of that uh, being on the farm. And so my grandfather taught me how to fix a car. He taught me how to change oil, do tires, you know, how to do basic maintenance on a car myself because he liked to do it himself. Um, you know, he taught me how to, you know, do all these things. All right. So I didn't have to take shop class in high school, but now we have entire generations of kids can't install a light bulb. Okay. They don't know what a stud finder is. They don't know how to put pictures up on a wall and use a stud to anchor them. So that way it doesn't rip the sheetrock. And if it did rip the sheetrock, they wouldn't know how to patch it. 
Now, granted, they have a wonderful invention called the Internet, and they have a wonderful invention called Google where they can look at videos that show them how to do those things, and that's amazing, okay? But they don't know how. They don't know how to use a hammer. They don't know what the pointy end of the hammer is, what it's for. It's meant to pull nails. They don't even know what a nail is, okay? Everything screws, all right? They don't know how to use a nail gun. They don't know how to use these things, and this is what that article is about. And so we need to fix that, you know, because here's, here's the thing. What happens if something breaks down? What happens, what happens if something breaks down and you can't replace it? Can you fix it? You know, we, we live in a free market economy that may experience another depression. Are you going to be able to survive a depression if you can't go, go to a Starbucks and get coffee? Do you know how to ground coffee yourself? Can you make your own coffee? You know, you're not going to have a Keurig to do it for you. Can you scoop out the grinds? Put it in a filter, put it in a coffee maker, and make your own coffee. Can you fix your car if it breaks down and there's not a mechanic to help you? Can you get it limping along? These are all things that people are going to need to know how to do. All right? We need, we're losing that ability to do that. And, guys, that makes you dependent. All right? It makes you dependent on other people. And when you are dependent on other people, that is when your freedom and your liberty is taken away. So yes, do I tie being able to hammer a nail into a wall a means of uh, freedom? Yes, I do. Yes, and it's important. It is incredibly important. And that's the blue-collar form of patriotism. All right? Blue-collar form of patriotism requires that we do that. All right, um, what else are we going to look at? Do, 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 do. Madonna's feeling raped by a New York Times profile because it got really, really personal and she didn't like it. Oh, poor baby. Poor Madonna. You're no longer relevant. Go away. Um, yep. Millennial dads have pathetic DIY skills compared to baby boomers. That's absolutely true. Um... Okay, uh, London's going to get an infinity pool. Awesome. They can see our fat from 360 degrees. Um, guys, you're going to have to start wearing underwear in, in your shorts because whoop, upskirts, up woo, upskirts. Um, no, I don't want to see that. I don't think anybody else wants to see that as well. It's one of the reasons why I'm not doing videos right now. Nobody wants to see this face on TV. Okay, trust me. You don't want to see this. Um, Russia is upset with Chernobyl. Oh, big freaking whoop. All right, you're the guys that built a default, a defunct and faulty nuclear reactor that killed people. You stop being all upset and, and trying to hide facts, Russia. Stop being autocratic. All right, it's the same reason why, um, you know, Russia, the Russia media yesterday had to put out a story saying that, you know, D-Day wasn't that important of a day that it, you know, Stalingrad and, and all of that was, was, you know, the Eastern Front. The Eastern Front, that was where the war was won. Well, you know what? The Eastern Front might, the Eastern Front was just as important, but you know what? You wouldn't have, the Russians would never even have gotten into Germany if it wasn't for the Americans fighting on the Western Front. All right? It divided the German forces. And it caused, you know, 
the Russians spent three, you know, the, the UK and the US spent three years dilly-dallying around while we were fighting the war. No, no, no. All right. Just stop it, you Russians. Go drink some vodka. Have some fun. You know. Druskaya. Paravruski. The Druzha. Yeah, a bunch of crazy Russians. Uh, and, and I say that lovingly because I'm part Russian. All right. So again, crazy Russian. Um, okay, final topic. And then I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, illegal immigration. I live in Texas. We have an illegal immigration problem. Don't stop denying it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm going to come over there with a, with a big tin down in Stetson and slap you across the head with it. Stop it. All right, we have an illegal immigration problem. Guys, I was a teacher in a Texas high school in the inner city. I had five students in one class who didn't speak a lick of English. I'm not saying that they knew how to say hi. They knew how to say bye. They knew, no. I'm saying they didn't even know how to say that. So stop it. All right, I I know a little bit of Spanish. I know a little bit of Spanish. Imagine if they had had a teacher who didn't speak a lick of Spanish. And now we got two people, in a, we got five people and one teacher in a classroom looking at each other going, uh, uh, you know, do that. Uh, here's, here's a piece of paper. Uh, you're going to have to translate it. I don't know how to translate that word. I don't know that word. You're gonna, this is what I want you to do. No, don't hand me back. No, don't hand me back the paper. Here's the paper. Take the pencil. Here's a pencil. Lapis. No, pencil. Lapis. No, pencil. Take the pencil and write. You know, you see what I'm saying? All right. And that's what I had to deal with. And then on top of that, they were in a classroom where I had to deal with other discipline issues. I mean, no wonder I lost my freaking mind and had a heart attack. All right. Because that's what I had to deal with on a daily basis. We have an illegal immigration problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's, all right, it's incredible that people say, no, 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 no. We've had over a million illegals this year in our country. We've got to do something about it, guys. I understand that you have a heart. I understand that you love people and you sympathize with these people. I do too, okay? They're, all, many of them are good people who are in desperate situations but you compound the desperate situation by committing a crime okay people get arrested they're not detained they get arrested for being in this country illegally and then they are put in a prison not a detention center a prison a jail Okay, that, that, that's why you think they should have their kids with them. Guys, if you got arrested today for a $500 traffic warrant and you had your kids in the car with you, you would go to jail. Your kids, if you don't have another family member to take care of them, will go with social services. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? We don't put kids in prison with their family. We separate them. Now, if you want to complain about the conditions that they're in, then yell at Nancy Pelosi for not funding 
HHS so that we could take better care of them. Because she's holding up $3 billion for us to spend on taking care of the kids that are separated from their parents. And here's another thing. One third of those kids that we separated from their parents were being trafficked. The person that was their parent was not their parent. It was their trafficker. So we saved their lives by separating them. Guys, it's an emotional issue. I get it. You have all these emotions. You want to be, you want to be magnanimous. That's what makes you an amazing American. Okay, that's what makes Americans amazing. Is we want to be magnanimous. We want to help people. We want to, we want to, we want to take care of the world's poor. We want to take care of people who are struggling and who are suffering. That's unique in America. All right. Yes, there's hospitality around the world, but there isn't this desire to help every single person in need. That's what makes us great. Okay. That's one of the things that makes America great is the fact that we want to help people in need. But I'm going to tell you something, guys, you've got to rein it in. You've got to think rationally. You've got to think intelligently. All right. Because a lot of these people that are men are mixed in with the people who are genuinely seeking asylum, the people who are genuinely seeking refuge are not good people. Okay. And even some of the people who are genuinely seeking refuge are not good people. Okay. If you, if you come to this country and you're illegal and you continually break our laws, you cannot stay here. You need to go back to your country and learn how to respect the rule of law. And if you were never taught that because of where you grew up, because there was no rule of law, then guess what? You're going to have to learn because we are a nation of laws. And if you come to this country, you have to be willing to respect those laws. Okay, so guys, we've, we've got to do better with the immigration issue. And I will dedicate an entire show to immigration. But now... I think I've, I've held you too long. Um, I want to, you know, it, it should only be like a little dose of, 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 of the dinner table. And so anyways, guys, listen, thanks for coming, uh, sitting around the table with me. Um, make sure that you're taking this information and going to your own dinner tables and sharing it with your family and sharing it with your friends. Don't be scared. You got it. And uh, just have a wonderful and God bless day.